Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Today is Friday, September 14th, 2018, and we are reading from the big book, page 113, the second paragraph. If you have a number three husband through four paragraphs ending with, but not more than the men themselves, and we will be commenting on all four paragraphs. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Georgina P., Twelve Traditions, Esther F., and readers of the text, Kelly S., Barbara E., and Lauren N. The reference number for Thursday, September the 13th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 11912. And we don't have the reference number yet for the 10 a.m. meeting. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Will Georgina P. please read the 12 steps? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, thank you. My name is Georgina P., and I'm a recovered compulsive eater. These are the, here are the steps we took which, suggested, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood them. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made a direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. 
Thank you, Georgina P. And Esther F. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a, com- a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, and we're on page 113, the second paragraph. If you have a number three husband through four paragraphs ending with, but not more than the men themselves. Kelly S., could you start reading for us, please? Sure can. Thank you, Len, for your service. It's Kelly S., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Good morning, Vision Friends. Okay. If you have a number three husband, you may be in luck. Being certain he wants to stop, you can go to him with this volume as joyfully as though you had struck oil. He may not share your enthusiasm, but he is practically sure to read the book, and he may go for the program at once. If he does not, you will probably not have long to wait. Again, you should not crowd him. Let him decide for himself. Cheerfully see him through more sprees. 
talk about his condition or this book only when he raises the issue. In some cases, it may be better to let someone outside the family present the book. They can urge action without arising hostility. If your husband is otherwise a normal individual, your chances are good at this stage. You should suppose that men in the fourth classification would be quite hopeless, but that is not so. Many of Alcoholics Anonymous were like that. Everybody had given them, given them up. Defeat seemed certain, yet often such men had spectacular and powerful recoveries. There are exceptions. Some men have been so impaired by alcohol that they cannot stop. Sometimes there are cases where alcoholism is complicated by other disorders. A good doctor or psychiatrist can tell you whether these complications are serious. In any event, try to have your husband read this book. His reaction may be one of enthusiasm. If he is already committed to an institution but can convince you and your doctor that he means business, give him a chance to try our method, unless the doctor thinks his mental condition too abnormal or dangerous. We may think this recommendation with we make this recommendation with some confidence. For years we have been working with alcoholics committed to institutions. Since this book was published, AA has released thousands of alcoholics from asylums and hospitals of every kind. The majority have never returned. The power of God goes deep. You may have the reverse situation on your hands. Perhaps you have a husband who is at large but who should be committed. Some men cannot or will not get over alcoholism. When they become too dangerous, we think, we think the kind of thing is to lock them up but of course a good doctor should always be consulted. The wives and children of such men suffer horribly, but not more than the men themselves. Okay. Oh my gosh, there's a lot in that with these paragraphs. Um so, you know, um I shared last week, I think it was last week, I can't keep my day straight. Anyway, I shared recently about <laughs> that I related more to um I think, you know, it was the progression of the disease, so really it was all those guys but I even got to be, um, you know, the guy number four where uh, I had shared that, you know, I'd been in treatment before and, you know, binged on my way home, you know. So, you know, and I, you know, I've been on this program for years and, you know, I also, you know, went to retreats and conventions and, and did all those kind of things and, you know, just knew I was fixed at those things and would eat on the way home, you know, eat on my way to meetings, eat on my way home from meetings, you know, um, uh, sneak food in my convention rooms, you know, all these kind of crazy things. And I had been in these programs for 32 years before I finally got willing to put down the food. So, you know, I was the person that I felt like, you know, in this last paragraph on 113, that I seemed quite hopeless. I was so grateful when I came in these uh, meetings and started listening and having it pointed out that the big book says we're seemingly hopeless. But, you know, I was sure defeat seemed certain, as it said, you know, but it says yet often such men had spectacular and powerful recoveries. And that's the thing, you know, I had to start doing that set aside prayer. I'm sure my family and my spouse, you know, I'm sure they had given up. I mean, my God, I'm sure, you know, you think about, it, I came in this room when I was 20 years old and they see me, they thought I was working, you know, the program. And I'm sure they're like, oh yeah, that, uh, oh, thing works really great well you know what they saw that my mother has 40 years of sobriety in AA so I'm sure they pr probably thought it's not working for mom and I'm sure my spouse says it's not working for Kelly obviously you know I'm sure they had given up you know well I know I had given up you know I had given up and so grateful 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 in 114 I think the best sentence on here 
the power of God goes deep. You know, none of, you know, as long as I finally became willing to put the food down and work these instructions, you know, and turn to my higher power and finally figured out that the problem wasn't the food. The problem was I didn't know how to do life. And for those 32 years before I understood that, you guys, I thought as long as I was abstinent and maintaining a normal body weight, that, that it was working. But it wasn't because I didn't understand. It talks about in We Agnostics, you know, that the great reality deep within, you know, that's what I had to tap into, that this is a partnership. You know, I was always waiting for God to just zap me. God wasn't going to zap me. You know, I had to put the food down. I had to work these steps like my hair was on fire. And I had to continue to do this work every single day, you know, because my disease is in me every single day. As somebody else on the line shared, my disease isn't out there in the parking lot doing push-ups. My disease is my spiritual malady. And if I don't stay connected to my higher power, if I don't stay clean and abstinent, I'll wrap up with this, if I don't stay clean and abstinent first and foremost, and if I don't work these steps and work with you guys and stay connected with my God, then I, I will go back to that hopeless situation I was. And today I am a recovered woman 32 years it took me, so don't give up. And I am grateful with that. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kelly S. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Please say your name just once, as it helps me hear everyone. Who would like to share? Kathy G. Anita B. Carrie N. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Carrie N. Okay. Anyone else? Lisa J. Okay, let me tell you my lineup and I'll see if I missed anybody. Ginger C, Kathy G, Anita B, Carrie N, and Lisa J. Ginger C, would you like to start us off, please? Yes, thanks so much, Lynn, and thank you for your service, and Kelly for reading. Um, Ginger C, recovered compulsive reader in Colorado. This uh, first paragraph on the bottom of 113, um, you know, everybody had given them Ginger, up. you're kind of breaking up on us. Um, is there anything you can do with your phone line? Um, it's horribly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm in the mountains. I don't have first coverage. Can you hear me now? Um, we'll keep going. It's okay. Okay. It's too bad. I'll just stop off. So you can just let me know. Yeah, um, I think if if we could stop, maybe it is too hard to hear, okay? Okay. Sounds good. Everybody have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you, Ginger. Sorry about that. Kathy G., it's your turn, followed by Anita B., morning, Lynn. Uh, thank you so much, and good morning, everyone. It's Kathy G. Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Illinois, and uh, just grateful to be on the line today. And the reading really got me thinking about, you know, what is possible through the program, like the depths that we go to in the sickness and how far we really can come in recovery. And as Kelly was reading, um, I was reminded of being in my therapist's office years ago 
and I would be thinking about what I was going to get at Dairy Queen, like most of the therapy session on the way home. And it just struck me how sick that is because I had no idea how to cope with feelings. I just knew to eat when my feelings were unmanageable. And mostly it was when I was feeling, um, I don't know, unworthy, left out, disappointed. And it struck me yesterday that I have tools now for living as a result of these steps that are just completely changing my life. And I'm so grateful for that. It was my birthday yesterday and I had several of my inner circle people forget that it was my birthday. You know, no big deal, right? Life happens, birthdays go by and we're all busy. And I was able last night as I was going to bed and was doing my review of the day to put them each in a balloon of expectations. And I just pictured them in a balloon and I just released them to God. And I gave myself the grace that when I forget somebody's birthday to just, you know, be able to feel love coming instead uh, toward myself. And it might sound kind of funny, but it just felt really good to me. I didn't have to eat. I could turn to God. I have these tools. I can wake up today and be filled with joy and not hold a resentment toward these people, which won't lead me to food today. So anyway, uh, thanks, Kelly, for your read this morning and your reflections. It got me thinking about some good stuff. So hope you all have a great day. Thanks. Bye, Pat. Thank you, Kathy G. Anita B., it's your turn. And Carrie N., you'll be next. Uh, Thank you. Anita B. from New Jersey. And I'm grateful to be able to hear so many shares because I was the one who did not um, admit that I could eat like other people, like that I could not admit. I couldn't do it. I wanted to be normal, and I tried for almost 20 years, even being in the room, to be a normal eater. And so it really wasn't until I was ready to admit I'm not normal when it comes to food. I'm just not normal, and I hate that. I I don't hate it now, but I hated that I couldn't be like other people, that I just couldn't have some and then put it down. But I tried. Oh, I tried so hard. Uh, But I'm grateful today to put the food down. And it's not as important to me. I, I don't have that constant chatter in my head telling me, well, maybe I can this time. I'm going to try. I have peace now with food. I eat what I'm supposed to eat and I move on with my life. So, you know, it wasn't like it says in italicized letters, I had to want to stop and take direction. That was the other thing I didn't want to do. I didn't want to take direction, but, you know, thank God I could go through this textbook and teach me the way of life. Uh, I'm grateful today. I'm just grateful today. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Anita B., Carrie N., it's your turn, followed by Lisa J. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is Carrie N. calling from Swedesboro, New Jersey, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I could relate to the being around for a very long time. And today, I'm in that position where 
I feel like I can go to someone reaching out with this volume as joyfully as though I have struck oil. Um, I could relate to that and I could relate to the, you know, having, I feel like I have had a spectacular and powerful recovery. And, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't happen overnight and it took a really long time, but I'm just so grateful for today. And I wanted to share that. I also have that the power of God goes deep. Um, I have other things going on in my life today that are, could be very scary and I'm doing it with a piece and it's just amazing. I talked to a, a, a surgeon yesterday and we talked about what was going on and we talked about options and he said to me, um, a lot of times people will come in and they'll be like, I don't care what it is, just get it out. And he said, you don't seem, you don't seem like that anxious type. And I thought, whew, it's because of this putting this practical program of action um, into action, <laughs> you know, putting this, <clears throat> doing the work and meditating and sharing and um, doing all the things that this program asked me to do gives me a life today beyond my wildest dreams that I can do whatever, live life on life's terms without even thinking about going to the food, which was always my go-to. And today it isn't. And today God is my go-to. And I'm extremely grateful for that. And I wanted to share that. So thanks for letting me share and I pass. And thank you, Carrie Ann. Lisa J., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Lisa J. Recovered in Michigan for this 24 hours. I'm so grateful for the shares already, and I find that I don't think I can have much to add. Um, I just love the police that says there are some cases where alcoholism is complicated by other disorders. And the line right before it says that some men have been so impaired they cannot stop. And that's what I thought I was. I didn't think there was any solution. I didn't think there was any way I could stop. And even experiencing this book um, in a different program, I think that was my hope. And when I came to Vision, I was like, oh my gosh, these people have what I have, but they have it with food. And how can that be? I didn't think I didn't think it could work that way, but either God is everything or he's nothing. And the words in this book just kept ringing through my ears, and I kept hearing people talk about it and going, okay, there's hope. Um, I was like on 113, defeat seemed certain. Everywhere I turned, everything I tried, nothing worked. And so I came in apprehensively with a little bit of hope, going, okay, maybe maybe it can work. God, please, can it, please help it work. And so... The sentence that's been repeated so many times, the power of God goes deep. And just beginning with wobbly legs, finding a sponsor, starting through the steps, these very practical steps led to the spiritual solution and led to recovery and gave me more hope. I kept getting more hope and more hope and more hope after I passed some 24 hours and I passed a week of 24 hours and I passed two weeks of 24 hours. And I passed a month of 24 hours. I passed two months of 24 hours. I was like, no way. This is actually the solution. This is actually what works. It is the spiritual solution that I needed. I needed that connection with God in a way that I could trust him with everything, with my food, 
with knowing that there would be enough. My disease was more. I knew I always wanted more. If some is good, more must be enough. More must be better. But it's never enough. And so thank God. Thank God for this solution. Thank you, everyone, for sharing. This is so powerful this morning. With that, I'll pass. And thank you, Lisa J. For those of us just coming on the line, we're on page 113, the second paragraph. If you have a number three husband through four paragraphs ending with, but not more than the men themselves and commenting on all. So the line is now open and please say your name just once. And that sounds like Gabby G is ready to share. Katie G from Boston. Yeah, sorry, Lynn. Katie G. Katie Lisa B. Deanna B. Oh, okay. I missed a couple of people Barbara. there. Let me tell. Let me tell Lauren you who I've got. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Lauren. Let me just tell you who I've got, and then we'll see who I missed. I have Katie G, Lisa B, Larry K, Deanna B, Barbara E, and Lauren N. Did I miss anybody? Edini M. Great. That's a great lineup. Let's start there, and uh, we'll see how we do. Katie G., it's your turn. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, everyone. Katie G., recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic, and please excuse my interruption. Yeah, I mean, I'm just so moved by these shares, and I'm thinking about my own recovery, and I'm thinking about the times in my life, um, you know, when I was in high school and I had peach fuzz on my arms because I was so thin, and um in college when I was throwing up in downtown where I went to school um, because I took laxatives and um, I was thinking about my poor parents, you know, never knowing what my weight was going to look like because it was an EKG and I'm thinking about the people in program who I held hostage before I did the steps um, and how anyone could have looked at me and probably did and were like, you're insane. There is no hope for you. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful um, for the meetings that continued to welcome me, you know, continued to just say, you know, keep coming. Because the one thing I have had since I came in, into the rooms is I've never given up. Like I've always wanted I've wanted to see the truth, even though it's painful, even though it's ugly. And I thank God for that blessing every day because that is what it takes is to, to have the willingness to be uncomfortable. And what this reminds me is like, okay, so I don't know if you're a hard eater or a moderate eater or if you're the real thing, and, and I don't know. But I also don't know, I don't know how God's going to work in your life. I don't know how God's going to save you and rescue you, and that's not that's not my job. The power of God goes deep. And there are so many of us suffering in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. And there are so many, many people suffering from this addiction. And I just know in my heart of hearts, God has literally lifted me up from these stubborn, you know, willful roots and, and literally planted me in a life that I don't understand. I couldn't have planned. I'm not that creative. And I still have a desire to grow and change every single day. What is that? If that's not a miracle, um, I really don't know what is. I mean, God is just so good, and I am so grateful. If you're sitting there and you have food in your mouth or your fingers down your throat, 
there's there's hope for you. There's hope for you. You, you you're not you're not as sick as you want to be. You know, I just um I'm so blown away by all the miracles and I'm so blown away that Overeaters Anonymous is the best thing that ever happened to me. When I came into these rooms, Overeaters Anonymous was the unsexiest, uncoolest place, last place I wanted to go. And I have to tell you, you all are my favorite place to go because each and every day, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, I have a place to call home. And more importantly, I have a place where I don't have to hurt myself with food. I can do so happily. And more significantly, I have a way to live life today. I'm not committing homicide, suicide, and I'm content. I'm content. So please keep showing up. The power of God goes deep. Thank you, Katie G. Lisa B., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you for your service and for all the wonderful shares. The line that jumps out for me is, um, let's see here, give him a chance to try our method. And that made me think about the preface of the big book. and. Um, You know, when I was going through this big book and studying this big book with people in whom the problem has been been solved, uh, they've experienced the experience that this big book promises, Um, I was taught that this book is designed to transmit the truth and a spiritual experience to individuals that know nothing about what is contained in this book. And that is my understanding of what this method that they're talking about. It is a precise way of doing the big book. And I've read the big book many times in the past, but um, it's really come alive to me. It's not my sponsor's opinion. It's not even really her knowledge. It's her experience, strength, and hope. Yes, that highlights it. But it's really what is contained in this book. And the other thing um, that I wanted to share on is that this, this book promises me that if I take actions, in the areas of unity, service, and recovery, I can become whole. You know, that's what that circle and the triangle always meant, that we lost the copyright for that. And, you know, when I think about when he's saying try our method, there is a precise method way of doing it. Some people say, I've got a vision sponsor. I'm doing it the vision way. You know, we're just an OA meeting, and we happen to be focused in the big book. And that's why people get well. That's why I got well. That's why I'm recovered. And when I was thinking about... um, Well, you know, I just want to share also learning about what Dr. Silkworth describes as entire abstinence, really understanding what step one means, the way this book describes it, and then how we move quickly. It doesn't have to take a long time. I got recovered in a very short period of time, and it's taken hold. It's taken root. The other thing I just want to share on is when he's mentioning the good doctor. You know, I went from doctor to therapist, trying to get well. I was also reaching out to other substances like cigarettes, and then I found out they lay cigarettes with sugar. Well, hello, that's why I love them so much. I kept reaching out to new things to try and get a fix. It really didn't happen for me until I met someone that has the same first step as me and has experienced this awakened process that this book promises. And now I carry this message. I try to carry this message. Um, And it helps me probably more than it's helping them. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be here and to share that experience, strength, and hope. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Larry Kay, it's your turn, followed by Deanna B. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks so much for your service. You know, you ever walk into a Barnes & Noble 
you go, you, you venture over to the, the self-help section, maybe the health section, and you're going to read titles about conquering your fears, dominating your thinking, you know, overcoming, controlling, thrashing. You know, you're going to you're going to see these titles. We love lists. Ten ways to dominate your fears and anxieties. We fight our depression. You're going to see titles like that. You know, when we read in these paragraphs and we, we, we begin to understand, hopefully in this program, that it's just the opposite. With these, this isn't 12 steps to fight the food. 12 steps to conquer whatever. This isn't about any of those things. This is about emancipation. This is just the opposite. It's about surrender. It's about letting go. What is it about us human beings that we want to fight and conquer and dominate our surroundings and our environment? And it's not about that at all. The, the entire spiritual program of action is about giving up. Now, how does that work? Giving up. Twelve ways to give up. Twelve steps, spiritual nature, to allow you to, to let go. How about that? Try that one on. That's what this is. Being brought, you don't fight your way to be, being brought into alignment with your higher power. You don't conquer your way in anything. You don't dominate anything. It's just the opposite. The, the, entire, the, the, entire, the entire 12-step process is about letting go. That's it. That's the deal. And no letting go, no surrender, no sustainable recovery, no change, no change. We trust in the process. Even when, we're, even when, it's, even when it's counterintuitive, we trust in the process. And we see, we test this God of our understanding and see what happens. See if we can become emancipated and surrender and let go. Thank God for this program. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry Kay. Deanna B., it's your turn, followed by Barbara E. This is Deanna B. I was unmuting. You called my name, right? Okay. Yes, please. Thank you. This is Deanna B. from the Chicagoland area. So grateful to be here. Um, and Wow, this is very powerful for me in that same paragraph. The the comments and shares have been wonderful. And, the, you know, on page 14, since this book was first published, AA has released thousands of alcoholics from asylums and hospitals of every kind. And the majority have never returned. The power of God goes deep. Well, I returned, and I returned, and I returned. This book... Uh, that I have in front of me is from 1976 and I came into OA in 1975 and was in three treatments, one in 88, one in 91, and one in 77 for another addiction of which I have not picked up. But I was told both treatments for my eating disorder, Deanna, you help everybody else. And I was sitting here reading when I left, you know, how they, you do with your high school uh, journal, they were re, uh, commenting in my book. Uh, dear Deanna, you're a dear lady with a loving heart and a warm soul. You taught me a lot about being honest. Well, you know, I taught them, but I had to teach myself. 
and that's uh, what what when I came in the pain that I felt every time I got out of treatment people were sharing I would eat, you know eat on the way home and uh, I thought they're playing right into my hand I, I didn't want to take care of my family I wanted to run away and you know it wasn't they say in the big book someplace you know, it wasn't my last drunk or maybe in uh, meetings that brought me in. And it wasn't my last bout with the food that brought me back. And God has been with me ever since. I truly believe I had a spiritual awakening when I walked back through those doors. Got abstinent. Got a sponsor. It didn't matter who the sponsor was. First person. First person. And to this date, through the grace of God and the fellowship of the program, I'm absent and feel spiritually fit today. So as long as I am spiritually fit, I can continue to enjoy the power that God has given me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Deanna B. And just a gentle reminder, please, if you aren't Barbara E., can you please check and that your phone is muted. We're hearing some background noise, somebody clearing their throat. So if we could all just check. And Barbara E., it's your turn, followed by Lauren N. Barbara E., press star one, please. I'm sorry. I was having a lovely conversation with myself. Thank you, Lynn. I want to talk from my perspective now. I was a total narcissist. I would lie to your face without a second thought. In fact, I often believed the lies, too. My lies kept me insulated from the truth about myself. They were my protection. I derived what little confidence I had because of this wall I built around me. If you didn't do what I wanted, I would get angry or withdraw. My belief that I was okay, even if I couldn't walk upstairs, even if I gained 10 pounds in a weekend, even if I hid in my room, too ashamed to let my friends see me, a trembling recluse, as the book says. Once in a while, I dimly saw that I was ill but I'd never admit it to you or others and rarely to myself. And yet I was able to get abstinent for 17 years, white knuckling it, weighing and measuring every single thing, doing just what I was supposed to. I prayed to God that he would let me keep this weight off, but still get to eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted it. But my prayers went unanswered. Or so I thought. In fact, he'd answered my prayers, but it wasn't the answer I wanted, so I hadn't listened. I did know something had to change, and I went to a treat, a retreat, and I met a woman who introduced me to this particular big book study. I started listening. At first, just listening, and what I heard was hope. I heard there was hope that I might become a happier, more trusting, more trustworthy person, a better version of myself. It still wasn't the uh, prayer I'd originally asked for, but it was the prayer I needed. And this time I listened. 
Today I'm not perfect, not even close, but I'm doing what I need to do every day, which is taking my 12-step medicine. I can't afford to miss a dose. God had given me a better response to my prayer, a better response than what I'd asked for. In Hebrew, there's a phrase called tikkum olam. It roughly means that it's everybody's responsibility to help someone else for the good of our souls. When I'm feeling down, there's nothing more that helps me than picking up the phone and calling another person and saying, how are you today? What can I do for you today? I want to make you my dessert. This is a wonderful program, and it can do for you what it did for me. But you have to have hope. Hope and be willing to listen and surrender. At least that's what I had to do. Thank you so much. I pass. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Barbara E. Lauren N., it's your turn, followed by Irene N. Good morning, all visionaries. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Lynn. This is Lauren N., compulsive overeater, sugar addict in New York. Thank God I am recovered today. Thank God I don't hurt myself today with food. My brain still wants to hurt me, constantly telling me how bad I am and how things I don't do. And thank God today, because of all of you, I'm able to replace those words that I hear in my head and replace them with kind, loving words and know that actually they they come true sometimes. I too remember leaving my therapist's office and having my car drive directly to the bakery and spend hundreds of dollars. Like they saw me coming in the bakery and they knew that I wasn't buying baked goods for a whole family. I was buying them all for myself, but I thought I was buying them for lots of other people. That's what I pretended, at least. Thank you, God. I don't want to do that today anymore. And it's with my daily medicine that I, that I know that and that I'm able to live in that surrendering and that serenity that you guys all talk about. And I'm here every day to get my medicine and I work my program every day and I don't and I do it happily because it keeps me out of that frame of mind. I went out last night with a guy that is a new date, first time date, and he was telling me about how he craves those cookies over there in the the window and I thought, Thank God I don't have that problem anymore. I don't any longer look at those cookies longingly because I know that I am allergic to them. And if I bring even a little bit into my mouth, 
I won't ever stop again. Today, I am a recovered woman, and I take my medicine every day by being of service and by listening to you all. Thank you all, and with that, I pass. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you, Lauren N. And Irene M., it's your turn. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M., back in New York from Greece, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, always giving credit where credit is due. The power of God goes deep. Mm. This power has shifted me from self-centered to God-centered. This is about what is true and honesty. So it's, This is so beautiful and so yummy and so satisfying because this is what gave me the message of hope. The power of God goes deep. This is what my connection means. There's no destination with connection. If we are connected with God to ourselves and others, then we have abstinence because the power goes so deep. If we are connected, then we will be recovered because the power of God goes deep. This is about taking the right action and doing the right thing. There's no destination here. Our connection keeps on going deeper and deeper and deeper. And the light becomes brighter and brighter so we can see the truth. And once we see the truth, we get to live that truth. And that's what this is about. It's setting us free from the bondage of self. Just as long as I keep the focus on God's power because I'm so powerless. And in being connected with God, I become powerful with his power. And I stand on his foundation. It's a continual of letting go so I can be carried by the grace of God. And he does for me what I could never do for myself. And this is about my faith in what I believe in. And whatever I believe in, how do I show up in the world, is what I truly believe in. And um, as a child of God, that's what I believe in. And I thank you, God. And I thank you all. I pass. Thank you, Irene Yen. Just a reminder, we are on page 113, the second paragraph. If you have a number three husband through four paragraphs ending with but not more than the men themselves. And the line is open. Who would like to share? Nancy P. Harlan G. Liz T. Okay, let's go with this lineup, and we'll see how we do time-wise. I've got Nancy P., Harlan G., and Liz T. Nancy, could you start us off, please? Hi, thank you for letting me share. Um, Nancy P. from Boston. So I I didn't know, excuse me, when I came into vision, how would I have known that it was going to work? Why would it work better than all the other things that I've tried? I mean, I can just remember 
you know, my OA pedigree is platinum. I mean, trust me. And I never could get it. I had ample opportunity, ample. And, um, you know, I'd go, you know, more meetings, different meetings, you know, different food plans, nutritionists, no nutritionists, reading, writing, you know, and my own personal favorite, getting a new sponsor. And, um, you know, and then those things, sometimes they would work and sometimes they didn't. And when I hear, oh, you know, more than half never went back, you know, more than half are, you know, recovered, I thought, you know, as usual, how come them and not me? And um, it wasn't until when I got into vision, you know, how would I have known? That's what I, I keep thinking that. It's what it, I just didn't know um, because nothing had worked for me that seemed to work for others. And, you know, I feel like I learned so much here immediately that, you know, I've been blessed with, I hate to, you know, abstinence is not the end, it's the beginning, but I've been blessed with having that particular problem removed from my life um, in pretty, pretty thoroughly, I would say. And, um, you know, it, it freed me up to do all the other work. And, um, yeah, I didn't know that it was going to, I didn't know that God was going to work the way that it, he's worked in my life. I mean, things daily I see God working. And so I don't need to, I thank God and I'm grateful and I pray and meditate every day and all that. But I mean, it's so, I was saying, telling someone at a meeting last night, it's very uplifting when you're reading the steps. You know, when you're in the doctor's opinion, it's very uplifting. But you can't have that book in front of your face 24-7. You have to internalize everything. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, my gratitude knows no bounds. And in my life right now, I have huge, huge challenges. But on the other hand, at the same time, amazing wonderful things are happening separate from that or in parallel to that. Like it doesn't own me. One doesn't own me, neither does the other. And I was never able to live in the middle, <clears throat> excuse me, and just um, be grateful and, um, and work these steps the way that others have said. I really, really, that, that um, calling out that statement, you know, the power of God runs deep is, just profound and um you know i i my big book is from 1971 and um you know i have decades of not having it work until i came and really started to think about and work the actual steps not work the tools not use the tools but work the actual steps so um, um if you're new or if you're struggling um call me <laughs> I'm here to help, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy P. And just a gentle reminder, if you aren't Harlan G., please check your phone and make sure you're muted. Harlan, you're up. Hi, Lynn. Thank you so much. And I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from sweltering Scottsdale, Arizona. But I'm getting out of here today. I'm going to do big book this weekend in Orange County, California. So if you're in the Orange County area, come on down for the Saturday Big Book Boot Camp. We're going to have some fun and we're going to do some good things. But anyway, we have been in the chapter to wives. We have been looking at and despairing about the nightmarish horror of what this disease can wring, can rot upon a person. 
this disease tore me asunder from the time I was a toddler. It shamed me and degraded me in ways that I couldn't even believe. It brought shame and nightmare to my parents. Doctors have been screaming at my parents from the time I was a child, a little child, about how fat I was getting and how much I was eating. And they would cry and it would make me sad. And in my sadness, I would reach for cookies. In my sadness, I would reach for chocolate. That was the only thing I knew to do to rid myself of the sadness. I've eaten railroad cars full of Doritos to wipe out the pain of eating railroad cars full of Doritos. I missed out on life. The power of this disease goes beyond making me fat. It kills dreams. It alters my life to a, to a direction I never thought possible. I never knew hell had such fury. It did things to me that if I did them to you, I'd be in jail. And then we read the line on page 114 that the power of God goes deep. I'm in places today that you can't get to on human power. My bills are paid. I had knee replacement surgery 14 weeks ago. I'm walking. I'm functioning. I buy my clothes at a normal store. I'm alive. I'm alive. And I'm living my life to the best of my ability, holding God's hand. The power of God goes deep. And if it went deep for me, it can go deep for you. There is no promise in this book that won't come true for those who work the steps. This is the greatest way of life imaginable. There are people on this line who are not eating compulsively, who are compulsive overeaters, and they are free and they are emancipated happily. Happily. They're not struggling. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. And Liz T., you'll be our last chair this morning. Hi, good morning. This is Liz T., a recovered compulsive overeater in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Actually, I'm heading to the airport um, to catch a flight out to Colorado for the Big Book Study weekend this weekend. And so it's exciting to hear that there's more than one um, retreat going on this weekend. This beautiful message is spreading throughout the land. Um, gives me a lot of hope. Sometimes I go to my local meetings and, you know, um, if there isn't exposure to the big book, I don't always hear the same message of hope. And so I'm grateful to have been exposed to this, this message and this set of instructions in this big book. And um, the part that really struck me in, to, in today's reading is that cheerfully see him through more sprees. I mean, that line almost baffled me um, to have the same, those two words in the same sentence, cheerfully and a spree. When I think of a spree, I think of the remorse and horror afterwards in the vicious cycle, swearing off, um, 
promising myself I'm never going to do that again and then finding myself back into a bag of potato chips, you know, a few hours later. Um, so uh, the, the level of patience they're suggesting in this, this reading for our family members, um, I remember when I was to the depths of my disease, very near my bottom, and my husband, um, he said, it, it just doesn't seem like you care about yourself anymore. Holy smoke. You know, I was eating myself to death. Um, I was uh, pushing dress sizes, you know, within a matter, a matter of a few weeks, it seems like I was going up another dress size. I mean, it was, the weight was really going on rapidly, and my, my mental and spiritual deterioration was going going out the window just as rapidly. And so I love the part in the big book where it says, once the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. Um, that that line, I just hang on to that line day after day because I just keep working this program, working these steps, doing my 10 steps, spending time in step 11, working with others time, in step please. 12. Um, I will continue to straighten out mentally and physically. So um, thanks for being there, everybody, and have a great weekend. Thank you, Liz T. Thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to Team Friday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for Thursday, September 13th, the 10 a.m. meeting is 11913. And the share ID for today's meeting, Friday, September 14th, 7 a.m., is 11914. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Barbara E. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning morning meditation, what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.